Hello, I'm April Jones, and we at Jones Law Firm care about you, your family, and your well-being. That's why we've put together this informative webinar series to answer your questions about life, about the law, about your family. So thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Hi, April Jones here. Welcome to our webinar series for Jones Law Firm that we have been putting on during the pandemic, COVID-19, your family, your finances, and your future. Today, we are taking on the topic of child custody. So we are the experts in child custody. I've been an attorney 29 years. Jones Law Firm has been doing um, law in Colorado for 20 years. We do family law exclusively. I have my family law team member, David Collins. He's been an attorney. Is it 16 years, David? It is, yes. Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Dave Collins. I am an attorney working for April Jones. Uh, as April said, I've been practicing for 16 years. I do exclusively family law, um, and a significant part of our practice is today's subject, which is child custody, which you'll also hear the words allocation of parental responsibilities. Um, which is what Colorado calls it now. Um, and so looking forward to hearing your questions and helping you uh, understand the law a little better. And we also have from my amazing family law team, Erin. Yes, good afternoon. Um, very similar experience level and background to David. I've been practicing for, um, well, gosh, I guess it's 16 years now in May. Um, but I've been doing family law exclusively for the last approximately five. So what we're going to do today in terms of the format that you can expect in our 30 minutes together is we are going to just kind of chat about these custody questions. And you'll kind of get an idea of what it's like in our team meetings when we just throw out ideas and opinions and really get to the heart of the law and the heart of your case. So guys, what do you think of that? Let's just do a kind of a chat format today. And we have the questions in the Zoom webinar. Um, chat section. So let's just get started. How is child custody defined in Colorado? David. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, in Colorado, the, the court system and the state used to refer to child custody as child custody. And uh, some years ago, they changed that to the allocation of parental responsibilities. And it really applies whether you're divorcing somebody that you have children with or whether you're making this determination regarding children with, who, with someone who you did not marry. But the reason that the, the state sort of relabeled this is because that's really what the court does. They allocate responsibilities for the children between the parents. And that really is comprised of the amount of time you spend with the child. And, and generally that's the overnights that the child is in each parent's house decision-making for the child, who gets to make decisions or whether you're going to make them jointly for things like education, religion, um, and uh, extracurricular activities and medical decisions. Uh, and then they're going to decide child support. So they're going to allocate the responsibility for one party generally to pay the other some amount of child support. Aaron, you want to add, and you don't even have to wait for me today. Let's just jump in and have a chat. Um, in terms of ch what child custody is, I don't have anything to add beyond what David indicated. He's, he's exactly right. Um, people use the term 
um, in often ways that are not legally accurate. You know, somebody will say they have full custody of their child, um, and what they mean is that they have all the parenting time. Um, but that is not what the court is looking at. So if somebody were to have full custody in a court size, that would mean they also have sole decision-making. So just something to think about when you're using different words. Which takes us to the next question. Is there such thing as full custody in Colorado? So to piggyback on what Aaron said and what David has said, with respect to full custody in Colorado, when people come to me and they say, I want full custody, I want full custody of my three-year-old daughter and over her you know, mother. And I say to them, so do you mean that of the 365 days and nights available for parenting, you want all 365 days and nights? And they almost always say, no, I don't want all 365 days and nights. You know, I want them to have just weekends or I want her to just have you know, whatever it is they actually really want. So full custody would be 365 days and nights, all yours, decision-making, all yours. Because that essentially means you have everything. And that's what there is to have in a year. So once you start having less than all 365 days and nights, and you're sharing parenting time with the other person, then you are now sharing parenting time. And allocation of parental responsibilities is literally allocating um, the parental responsibilities. Allocation of parenting time is allocating the parenting time. So it's much simpler if you think about it than people think of it as. It's not, I get the child and you don't get the child. It's how much do you get to be responsible for and how much do I get to be responsible for? You guys want to add anything? No. <laughs> okay. I like my answer. <laughs> do my children get to choose where they live during or after a divorce? And we'll just rotate. Aaron, we'll go Aaron David, Aaron David April. So Aaron. The short answer is no, they do not get to pick. Um, the longer answer is that there is consideration that can be given depending on their ages and what their preferences are. However, you know, you have to keep in mind that kids' motivations are not always what is in their own best interest. They may want to spend all their time with mom because mom lets them play video games all day long and, you know, feeds them Doritos and Coke for, for breakfast. So, and popsicles. And popsicles. <laughs> um, so, however, you know, for instance, if you are going in front of a court and you get uh, an, uh, an expert, a child and family investigator, one of the elements of the best interest of the child statute that is the main statute that courts look at in determining the allocation of parental responsibilities is, you know, the child's preferences. They look at each parent's preferences as well as the child's preferences. So there's not a magic age in Colorado. It's not once your kid hits 12, once they hit 14, once they hit 16. There's not a magic age um, in terms of when they get to have their voice heard a little bit more significantly. But, you know, an expert or if the court is the one making the determination would, you know, kind of gauge their maturity level and why they're saying that they have a certain preference. Um, and then consideration can be given as to what their preference is. 
I like to explain it in terms of when would you let your child babysit? So you could, some people could let a 10 year old watch the, you know, stay at, or when would you let them stay home at alone? Either one, let them stay home alone for 10 minutes while you went to the store, um, depending on the 10 year old. Some 10 year olds, right? Absolutely not, never ever. Then how long, you know, so when they're 11, would you let them do it? You know, some absolutely not. Some maybe 15 minutes while I went to the store. When would you let your 12 year old? When would you let your 13 year old? That same analysis that you do naturally, inherently as a parent is the same type of analysis that you do when you're thinking about the maturity of the child. All the 13 year olds don't get to stay home all day long. Some do, some don't. 16, 17, 15, right? You know how you're like, well, of course a 16 year old, of course a 17 year old and 15 year old you know, mostly, maybe not, you know, are they the ones that are going to like set your house on fire? Or are they the ones that are going to, you know, that have been babysitting for four years? So that is a way to think about maturity of the child in a way that a parent does naturally all the time. And that's what the court has to look at. Maturity of the child is going to vary. Will the judge speak to my child and ask them which parent they want to live with? Uh, I'll jump in on that. The, the courts are extremely reluctant to allow anybody to bring a child to court and testify in the courtroom. They really don't want children to be involved in the proceeding. Children, you know, adults have a hard time understanding the proceedings. Children, one, won't understand it, and two, often can feel like they're being asked to choose between parents. And so judges are really reluctant. If you want the court to hear from a child, you and the child is old enough, uh, you could ask the judge to meet with the child in the judge's chambers so that the judge could speak with the child privately. Judges are also extremely reluctant to even do that. Um, we've heard from a number of judges at conferences we attend how reluctant they are to talk with children. Uh, the other option that often occurs is if, and this will come up later in the questions we have, if the court appoints a child and family investigator that is appointed to investigate some concerns by either or both parents, then the child and family investigator can and will speak to the child and those conversations will be recorded in their report and it's a, a good way for the court to become aware of the child's wishes. Um, but that is much more likely to occur than a child ever being allowed to walk into a courtroom and speak. Now there is the occasional judge who will entertain children in their courtroom. So this is not a blanket answer. That's a almost always answer, but I can think of a particular judge who uh, talked about the advantage of having children come into his courtroom. I can think of a court case that I was in in Jefferson County, say 10 years ago, and the parents were fighting over custody and the judge said, where are the children? Well, and they were at home with the babysitters. Like, well, go get them. I'm going to take a break and have the babysitter bring the children in. I haven't seen that since, but I did see it. The parents started to cry and they were uh, really both not wanting that to happen, but you know, it is within a judge's discretion. What's a child and family investigator and does every custody case require them? 
I can jump in on that. A child and family investigator is an expert that you can get in your allocation of parental responsibilities case or a divorce with children whose job it is to make a recommendation to the court as to what is in the best interest of the child in terms of decision making and parenting time. Um, they are not appointed in every case and typically there would need to be a, a pretty good reason. Um, I would say that is also court by court, um, judge by judge. Some really like uh, um, a CFI, Child and Family Investigator, because essentially they're kind of a filter and they make the judge's job easier and they can take all of the information and then make a recommendation. And, and their recommendations are given quite a bit of deference to the court. That is not to say that they are an order in and of themselves. And they do require, um, unless the parties can come for the judge to consider. Um, so, you know, there's allegations of some abuse. I mean, that kind of thing where it's not just your typical two great parents that just can't come to an agreement on parenting time. Sometimes you think you have a perfect case for a child and family investigator, and then you go and you file a motion with the court and the court says, I don't need a child and family investigator. So there's a lot of bobbing and weaving in terms of figuring out how to maneuver a case to get it where you want it to be. David. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think Aaron captured it well. Another issue that child and family investigators will look into is uh, drug and alcohol abuse or addiction concerns, um, and which is helpful. Uh, and it happens in a you know some significant portion of cases where a CFI is involved. The issue is drugs or alcohol. Um, so I, I I think they can be really useful. I, I agree with April. There's no guarantee you're going to get one, even if you want one. Um, I have several cases right now where the other side wants a child and family investigator, and I think it's inappropriate. So we're going to object to the request for one because I think a judge can decide simple things like what day of the week a parent should have a child, and that there's really no reason for a, a investigator to uh, to be involved with su such a limited uh, issue. And there you have it: the argument of do we have a child and family investigator? Do we don't? What's the judge inclined to do? What are the lawyers arguing? What's the rationale? Um, that's where it's important to have good litigators if it's not a simple issue. I mean, oftentimes it's very simple, right, guys? Both parties agree. They file something with the court. The court signs it. They issue an order. You get a CFI. But not always. How does the court decide what child custody agreement to implement do you want well, that oh, yeah I, <clears throat> sorry i mean that depends um the court can be faced with several options in every case whether it's uh, parental responsibilities or a divorce matter the court's going to order the parties to go to mediation if you reach an agreement there then the court's really not going to be receiving two different uh positions with regard to parenting time they would receive an agreement from you Otherwise, the court would uh, generally hold a hearing if you can't reach an agreement, and the parties would present their best argument to the judge about why their proposed parenting plan should be adopted by the court. 
and the court's going to look at all of the testimony, all of the evidence, and make a decision, not for one parent or for the other, but for the best interests of the children involved. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, one parent might think they're a better parent or they spent more time with the child. Um, but if the generally judges want children to have a balanced, equal relationship with both parents, unless there's some issue that puts one of the, you know, the children at risk or in harm of, of, of uh, in that parent's care. So uh, judges are basically making their decision uh, after hearing testimony and evidence. Is the child and family investigator free or included in my attorney fees? The answer is no. Um, however, the, a CFI can be uh, paid for by the state if you qualify. And essentially, the, the financial qualifications are very similar or identical to what would get you a public defender if you were accused of a crime. So, you, I mean, essentially, you have to be at the poverty level to qualify for the state to pay for your CFI. Otherwise, the state has set a cap on the price of a CFI, which is $2,850, and typically the parties would split that. Again, this would depend on the different parties' ability to pay. If one party cannot pay, then either one, either the other side would pay the entire fee, or the state would pay the one party side, and then the other party would have to pay their half. Is a mother more likely to get custody of the children. Well, here again, we're using the word custody. So if we use my simple way to look at it, is a mother more likely to get 365 days and nights? Um, more, no, because nobody's gonna get all of the child unless there's extenuating circumstances. And, and we could go into all sorts of examples of those, but that's outside the scope of today. Typically speaking, no, one parent is not going to get all of the custody. If the question means, is a mother more likely to have more parenting time than a father, the Colorado courts, specifically, it says in the Colorado statutes that parenting time is to be um, ordered without res regard to gender. So the answer is statutorily no. With respect to, as a practical matter, um, does a mother get more? parenting time than a father. I mean, as I believe David said earlier, the court is leans towards a 50-50 parenting schedule. Now, that doesn't mean with a newborn, that doesn't mean with a 17-year-old who refuses to go to the other parent's house, but you know, just middle of the road, middle-aged child, um, parents live reasonably co close to each other. Parents are reasonably decent and fine and fit, right? Then the courts and the parents are reasonably bonded to the child court's going to lean towards a 50-50 parenting schedule and then work backwards from there if there are reasons to not have a 50-50 parenting schedule. Anybody want to add anything? No, I would only just add, I mean, again, it, it, I would say it just depends on the age of the child. So yes, a really young child, but again, I, I don't know that it is a matter of whether it's mom or dad, it would be more where the child's been accustomed. So if dad had always had the baby, you know, for instance, if mom took off when the baby was two days old, then, you know, he would probably get more time than mom if she reemerged. Um, just because the court's aware of transitions with smaller children, then that can be harder versus a 10 year old or a 12 year old. 
And typically in the example you gave with a two-day-old child, typically it would be the mother who just had the child, who's the one who's bonded with the child, nursing the child, potentially up with the child, down with the child. And so you get that relationship, not because you are the mother, but because by virtue of being the mother in that situation, you have the greater bond at that time. But to use Aaron's example, if that same mother left town at two days old, left the child with the father, then, um, then you'd be looking at the father as the parent who's fulfilling all of those roles in the early stages of that child's life. Is Colorado more in favor of mothers over fathers? David. Neither. Uh, so uh, mothers and fathers are on equal footing. And we often get this question more from men than women when they come in to consult with us. You know, they think they're starting two steps back because they're, they're a man, not a woman. Um, but as April said earlier, the starting point in Colorado is to presume that we have two fit parents who are capable and able of uh, raising their child. And really the burden is on either party to convince a judge to push that needle from one direction or the other. Can, can parents share parenting time equally? Yes, sorry, I don't mean to jump in again, but yeah, I think that's the preferred outcome if both parents are, are fit and able to do so uh, be, because the presumption is that a child will benefit from a healthy, balanced relationship with both parents and a great many of our cases, no matter how they start, end up with equal parenting time uh, because you, at the end of the day, both parents generally end up being found to be uh, capable of providing for the best interests of the child. Can parents living in two different states share parenting time equally? Um, the answer to that one is is basically no. It is simply logistically impossible, um, especially if we're talking about school-aged children. There has to be more of a home base um, where they're going to school. And obviously the school year is longer than the summertime. It's longer than school breaks. So, you know, again, it would kind of depend on the age of the child and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, if both parents are good, may try to get as close as they can. Um, but it's impossible to be on, on an exactly equal schedule. Unless you live across like the Wyoming, Colorado border or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I actually have seen that where the parents cross back and forth and I'm like, that is typical. That's, it was, the problem was it was the out of state parenting schedule, even though they were 20 minutes apart. And so the parent was technically violating the Colorado you can't live out of state until further order of, until permission of court initially. Um, so that's why I remember that one because they were just across the border. But and April, oh, I'm sorry, April. No, you bring up a, you bring up a good point, which is you can, or you, you're alluding to a good point, which is you can actually end up with a two state parenting plan with both parents living in the same state. And my example would be if one party lives in Denver and the other lives in Durango, and they're eight or ten miles and eight or ten hours apart by car, then you're going to end up with a plan where the child goes to school in one of those cities and spends a lot of holidays and summer in the other city. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be in two different states. It's it's really geographical uh, distance that's going to have a court make those decisions. And with respect to the impossibility of it that Aaron was describing, if you are eight hours apart in the state of Colorado 
and the child has to go to school because they're school age and it's required by law, then having a 50-50 parenting schedule when you're going back and forth eight hours at a time is where you hit the impossibility. So what I tell people when they talk about motions to relocate and who gets the child, essentially a motion to relocate is the question of who has the child during the school year and who has the child during the summer? And then is summer the whole 12 weeks? Is it six weeks? Is it four weeks? And does the school year include every single long holiday, long uh, school break, plus you know the child traveling once a month? Like, How are you going to craft the parenting time within the parameters of school year and summer? If parents share parenting time equally, does that waive child support? No. Uh, sorry, a message just popped up on my phone. But no, uh, child support is actually going to be calculated on a couple of variables. The number of overnights the child is in each home is the single most significant factor. Uh, but if one parent has a substantially larger income, then the court's going to want to have the child enjoy the standard of living that the two parents combined income would provide for that child. Another two factors, there are other factors, but the two other major factors in child support are if one parent is providing child care, um, you know, preschool or, or before and after care, they'll get credit in the child support calculation for that. And if a parent is carrying the children on their health insurance, dental or vision insurance, they'll get credit in the child support calculation for their contributions there as well. Erin? I think David covered it, but yes, I mean, it's completely income-based and uh, um, the overnights are put into the calculation. And then as David mentioned, it's income-based and then expenses, which would include, as David mentioned, healthcare, childcare, additionally, extraordinary expenses. Some kids, you know, because of some special or unique needs they have, it may not be uh, medical per se in the traditional sense, but they need to go to physical therapy twice a week or occupational therapy or you know, whatever it may be, there's all kinds of unique situations, but those could be included in the calculation. Okay. Uh, we are all going to answer this next question at the same time. Can I withhold the children from the other parent during their parenting time if they do not make their child support payment? No. no. <laughs> Colorado separates child custody. Parenting time is separate from child support. The child's right to have uh, an, a relationship with the parent is a completely separate right from the child's right to be supported by a parent. So you can't tie the two together, you know, as much as you might want to uh, emotionally because, you know, maybe the person's a deadbeat and refusing to pay, but then showing up for every child event, um, being with the child as much as possible, and not paying for any of the events or any of the child's expenses. That's an example of a fact pattern where you could see how one person could say, no, I'm not going to you know, let you have parenting time. No, you can't come to this football game when I'm paying $10,000 for um, this junior league and you, you know, don't give us any support. So no, you can't tie the two together. And at the end of the day, that is in the best interest of the child. And if you need to get support from that parent, 
call us, we'll go after them, we'll get it. And um, just keep the two separate, but don't forego your right to child support. Just don't try to force it by limiting parenting time, but do get your child support. If my spouse physically abused me during the relationship, will that affect the court's custody decision? Erin. It definitely could is the answer. So, I mean, it would be, I, we can't say for sure. The court would need to make a determination as to whether or not there was domestic violence in the relationship. If so, that would definitely impact, or it should impact decision-making. The statute specifically addresses that. Um, it should affect decision-making. Additionally, it, it likely would also impact parenting time because even if the child, him or herself, was not abused, he or she may have witnessed. And, you know, of course, that's a toxic environment for a child. Now, we do have cases where the toxic environment that Aaron is talking about, the others, you can argue that, well, there's not going to be a toxic environment if the parents are divorcing or uh, they're a boyfriend and girlfriend and they're breaking up, you know, if the parents are going to be completely separate, then you can make the argument that it's no longer going to be a toxic environment. Have you seen that, Erin, as well? I have, and, um, and in fact, I've made that argument that, you know, that any violence that occurred was completely, you know, unique to the relationship and hadn't occurred prior and wouldn't occur subsequent. Um, I, I, I don't know that if a judge finds that there's domestic violence in a relationship that they're going to give that a whole lot of weight because I, I still think it says something about the person who's committing the domestic violence. And so, you know, it depends. I have seen the court handle it both ways. I've seen the court say, you know, they're separated. There was, you know, well, Ms. Jones, was there any abuse toward the child? No, as the parent, a loving, fit parent, you know, with the child away from the mother. Um, yes, okay, well then no, the, the court's not going to account for that. Um, and I've also had it where the mothers are like, I, how can you possibly say that this doesn't affect anything when he's abused the mother of his child? So it does get, it's obviously messy. Um, and definitely decision-making, as Aaron was saying, is where it would come in, because if the court cannot find that decisions can be made in a way that are, that's safe to the abused parent, then the court can then divide decision-making. Now, it doesn't mean that the decision-making is 100% the abused parent's um, decision-making. The court could divide it and give one person Dis, uh, medical decision and give the other one educational decision. So it depends. And a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, a good litigator, a good attorney, I think is needed in the fact pattern we just described because things can, can go either way. And when you're the person who's being abused or you're the person that's being accused, you're likely not the best person to advocate for yourself. If, do you have to be married to file a child custody case in Colorado? No, you do not. I don't know that there's much to expand on, but it's not a requirement. If you are both parents of a child, 
um, then they would still need to make the same determination as if you were a married couple going through a divorce. Yeah, Aaron's right. The only difference is the type of document you file. If you're married, you file a petition for dissolution of marriage. And if you're not married, you file a petition for allocation of parental responsibilities. Additionally, just worth noting, if you are just seeking child support, you can either file through the court or you can contact your local county department of human services and and they could initiate a child support case without any findings whatsoever regarding parenting time our time is up um where's the time go there That's are so many more child custody questions that we have in the queue we will be answering your child custody questions next week we will continue to answer them um, because this is important and as we move out of this pandemic, a lot of people are gonna be wanting to file motions and you wanna know, do I have a case? Um, is this the best time? And we are here to help. We are the experts, we'll take your questions and we're here to help. Thank you for participating today. Thank you, Aaron. thank you, David. And we thank will you. see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this webinar. If you or someone you know would benefit from watching a recording of this webinar or any of our other webinars, they can be found at denverdivorceattorneys.com. Thank you and keep a lookout for future live webinars and I hope to see you again.